straight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. In episode 65, we have joining us Graham Dorley. He's CEO and founder of Solo Advanced Vehicle Technologies, where we talk about the company's ground up new design for a driver agnostic electric truck with 500 plus miles of range. He also talks about his time at Tesla and Google, his passion of clean energy, and the key things that are needed to help scale the acceleration of electric and autonomous technologies. Today we have joining me Graham Dorley. He's the CEO and founder at Solo Advanced Vehicle Technologies. We're going to understand exactly what that is and learn a lot about Graham. It's a real pleasure having you on today. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm really super excited about well all of these podcasts, but but today with Graham, you know, I'm fascinated with what he's he's got going here because I think it like advances uh, some of our thinking in electricity and in automation, you know, to, uh, you know, it's kind of a leap. Maybe I'll, we'll see if you agree with me, but it's kind of leaping a lot of the, um, uh, maybe it's a revolution versus an evolution. You know, a lot of things we do, we sort of evolve to, and and um, he's kind of popping us forward in, in the whole thing. But um, we've known each other, I think, uh, I don't know, about a year, uh, Graham, yeah. but you remember exactly where we met and how how we became friends, or how, how uh, maybe you learned about NACFI or anything uh, uh, around that? Yeah, yeah. So it, um, if I remember, mem memory serves me correct. It was manifest in uh, Las Vegas last year. So um, that's where um, Richard Bishop, who works with us, introduced um, you to me. And from then on, we we got chatting a bit at the show, and then we chatted on the phone a bit more, and just been kind of following ever since. Yeah, that's right. That is right. So Richard is, uh, he's a great guy. And he's, uh, he's out there on some of the leading edge of autonomy and, and even electricity and some of these things. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. So some call him the grandfather, the godfather of autonomy, if you will. <laughs> he's been, yeah, he's been yeah. at it for a long time. Yeah, he sure has. And, and we're all sort of thinking about it in terms of how will it occur. And, you know, in commercial vehicles, it's all where's the value, you know, where's the, the TCO benefit of these things. And, you know, some um, applications and duty cycles always have, uh, you know, like a, a really good business case. And those are the ones we want to get into early, I think. So, um, well, let's get right into, you know, what is Solo? What are you doing with Solo? Um, and, you know, why, why is now a good time to, to be doing it? Excellent question, Mike. I mean, I think the, the, the one-liner, if you will, is we're creating a clean sheet battery electric heavy truck that's designed to be driver agnostic and capable of exceeding 500 miles of range. Uh, so so the, the core of this is a couple of takeaways here. It's a ground up new design. So when we say clean sheets, we're not retrofitting trucks, right? This is a look to the future of what trucking needs. So what it needs in the next two to three years, we're looking what it needs in the next 10, 20 years, right? And so a ground up new design battery electric long haul truck. And we say 500 plus miles, we really mean 500 plus miles. We think this um, this technology has the ability to, to kind of turn over the industry, as you said, or really revolutionize the industry. Wow, so I, so I think I got it right with the, you know, uh, maybe revolution, I don't know. I don't know if you like that term or not, so, but, but wait a minute. So are you, so you're combining autonomy with battery electric long haul trucks, or are you a, electric truck developer and ultimate maker or an autonomy or both or what 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 do you where's your special side of all this 
Yeah, I, I get that. I get asked that a fair amount, and it's a good point <laughs> because if you're not if you're not deep in the weeds of this industry like we are, sometimes the nuance uh, can be a little bit hard to differentiate. And so we are looking to be a truck OEM, right? We we are building trucks, uh, but what we're doing is we're building what we're calling an, an autonomously enabled, or sorry, an autonomous enabled platform. Right. And so although we're building a platform for autonomy, we're not an autonomy provider. And so we're looking to partner strategically with autonomy providers, uh, like take your pick, whether it be Waymo, where I came from, uh, or an Aurora, or a Too Simple, or an Embark, or a Kodiak, or any of the big players um, behind that. And so we're really looking to develop the electric future platform designed uh, for autonomy, but also can be driven by a person. So we're sort of agnostic to what drives us. So um, you have a cab, you have a driver's seat. Are you thinking uh, about, uh, you know, being able to accommodate a driver or, um, or, or how does that, how, do, how does that fit in your thinking? Yeah, our first truck uh, called the SH1, so H is in Henry, uh, will have human capability, we're saying. So it's got a, a safety driver on board, so it can be driven by a person. Uh, and it's battery electric long haul, so you could just utilize it as an electric truck. Uh, but it will be capable of full autonomy. Uh, and so what we see is uh, a market that's actively evolving, right? And the market, when we went out, uh, responded to us and said, we're very interested in autonomy. Right? We, we see autonomy is coming. We're interested in exploring that. But we're extremely interested in electrification like yesterday. Like we want it now. We want to decarbonize our fleets. And so we answered that. Uh, by allowing a human operator to be on board the truck while we we move into that age of autonomy. And so that's why I say we're kind of future-proofing our truck. We're enabling autonomy and building that architecture in, but keeping that human safety driver on board for the interim while we phase in autonomy. So you can use just the electric portion of the vehicle if you want. Got it, got it. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we... Uh, we do a lot of things at NACFI, but but one of the things that we always try to keep front and center in all what we do is total cost of ownership of of, of the vehicle. I mean, the industry taught me that for now. I, I said I was going to stop and say 30 years, and then I was going to say 35. Now I'm at 37, <laughs> so I'll just admit that I'm, you know, been around a while. So in my 37 years, it's really taught me, you know, that these trucks are tools. The tools are measured by total cost of ownership, you know, including the capital investment up front and the and, you know, and the operating costs and even in some cases the, you know, scrap or, or removal costs. So, um, you know, when we look at that, we, we, uh, we kind of use an ATRI, uh, American Transportation Research Institute, uh, report on cost per mile every year to kind of just get a sense of it. So, you know, that's made up of, of driver costs, the cost of the, well, from a, from a, which is the largest cost, it usually is the driver cost, then the fuel cost. Um, and then the um, equipment cost, um, and then ultimately things like maintenance and tires and other things that, that get you know into smaller numbers. But but I, you know I've always looked at that. And we, we review it every year and we publish it in a lot of our reports. I've looked at that and thought, man, all right. So fuel's a big cost. The driver's a big cost. Autonomy. If we could take that driver out, um, you know, boy, we take out 65, 70, 75 cents per mile. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, we also, you know, there's a lot of the truck is built around that driver. Um, you know, the entire cab to some extent. I mean, you still want something on the front for aerodynamics, but you got the whole cab and the steering wheel and the seats and the air conditioning. It just goes on and on and on and on. So um, how do you evaluate uh, the uh, the cost 
or think about the cost of that, of not only the driver themselves, but the environment we have to put them in or her in, you know, in a vehicle when, it, you know, at some point, maybe we won't need that at all. Yeah. So the, the TCO, I mean, the, so the ATRI, I believe I got that acronym right, is that report we dive into at great lengths with simulation uh, at a lot of metrics. We've got many, many spreadsheets based around how, how to calculate costs, right? And, and that's whole, as you put it, rightly put out, it, the industry is really defined by pennies per mile almost, like the, the cost per mile of, of how, you, how, much you move to, how much it costs to move goods. So we look at that very closely. And when we start with our first truck, which will be, again, the, the SH1. So it will be um, human drivable still, but it's battery electric. You're saving a significant cost right there to switching away from internal combustion to battery uh, saves you a lot per mile. Someone in the order of initial uh, estimates show, you know, tens, thirties plus cents uh, at least. Uh, so that's a pretty big margin alone. Um, and that's normal utilization for a truck. And so it provides a, a pretty good reason for fleets to move towards electric as you've got a lower total cost of ownership and you've got a zero emission vehicle, which is appealing in and of itself. But as you put, pointed out, rightfully so, the move to full autonomy, which is our goal with the SD1. So if you go on our website, you see the truck with no human on board and it's fully autonomous. Uh, that is our end mission that has never changed. And that's what we're aspiring to build. And when you remove that human, and you're right, you remove all the kind of ancillary systems that would come along with that, the seats, the, the instruments, the HVAC systems, all the weight. Um, that allows us to increase our battery capacity in the vehicle. So you get more range, but more importantly, you're not restricted by hours, right? An autonomous system can drive in theory forever, but you have to just stop to recharge or, you know, to, to load and unload your trailer and drop and hook or whatever kind of model you're going to do. But you start to see that your cost per mile, even with paying an autonomous company to use their software to drive, you're saving over a dollar a mile. I mean, it's a massive, massive difference um, and, and we really see a lot of benefit there, both from an engineering side and operation side and a cost side. So uh, to us, that's the goal. That's like the holy grail. We're only just right. starting to imagine what that world is going to look like. And our customers and us as, as engineers and, and uh, builder of the vehicle are very excited by it. Yeah. And I think that it's just important to keep that eye on the prize. That, that's a, that, that is a, um, uh, a big win big home run uh, that we know. I mean, we, we kind of know that if we can get there, uh, we, we save a lot of cost of the truck and weight that we can turn right into batteries because right. you know, as we view, as we view heavy duty tractors and, and, and battery electric vehicles, you know, we, we say, you know, right now we've got commercial available 200 mile, you know, pretty reliable 200 mile on a charge trucks you know, including sort of like cold weather, heavy loads, you know, different challenges. And we, we, you know, we think we can get to three or 400, but boy, you get, you get in there and then the weight of the battery and the other things. So I, I know, you don't, I'm not even going to ask you for the secret sauce and get into a 500 mile battery truck, but in, in our minds, it, you know, we can gain another hundred, 150 miles of range, you know, if you don't have to have all those cost and weight of the, uh, of the driver um, needs and, and can go fully autonomous. So, uh, just, just important kind of keep our eye on that long-term prize. Um, hey, tell me a little about yourself in, in the audience. I mean, how you, every time I talk to you and you're already showing it here in this, in this podcast, there's a lot of energy and passion, excitement around this. I mean, how did you come to, 
to this? And why is this what you want to dedicate the next 10 years of your career in? Yeah. So I've been, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of go back and we talk about our kind of start of our careers, if you will. I've been into vehicle design and vehicles my whole life, like born with keys in my hands, as they kind of say, like, I just love vehicles, period. Uh, and I joined Tesla early on uh, to, to work on the Model S. And so I worked on the body structure, chassis, and everything from basically soup to nuts on that vehicle. So it was a blank CAD screen, if you will. And when I left Tesla, it was rolling off the factory here in Fremont. I'm actually sitting in Fremont about 100 yards away from that factory, which is coincidence. But uh, after Tesla, um, you know, I wanted to stay in the cutting edge kind of transportation industry. And electrification was coming of age for the passenger cars. And we helped usher that in by creating the Model S and something I'm very passionate about, like clean energy and, and fighting climate change. And I wanted to stay in the same vein of cutting edge transportation technology. So I moved into the world of autonomy. And this was, well, I'm not even going to say when, but it was a while ago. And the only company really doing that was uh, Google at that time. Uh, so I joined Google and was there about eight years working on autonomous vehicles, uh, started with their little two-seat car, moved all the way through into their heavy trucks, uh, where I ended up working on with a small team uh, on a few. We actually bought a single heavy truck and put their Google's autonomous sensors on it. Um, learned a heck of a lot, bought another one, upgraded those sensors, and eventually it became what's known as Waymo Via, which is Waymo's uh, logistics arm of their autonomous uh, technology. So learned a heck of a lot about trucks, about, I spent about five years developing autonomous trucks, and I learned a lot about how you create the autonomous technology to install on trucks, how trucks are not really designed to have autonomous technology put on them, and just how basic really trucks are that are currently on our roads and haven't changed a tremendous amount in the last several decades or more. And I started to see an opportunity to apply the knowledge of myself and my colleagues that we've learned in building electric vehicles and building autonomous vehicles, combine it and apply it to the trucking industry. And that was the impetus for starting Solo AVT. Yeah, cool, cool. I mean, I you know, there's always this discussion or maybe even debate about, you know, does autonomy need electric? Does electric need autonomy? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't have enough time to go into all that, but uh, you're you're in the middle of all that. So I know, so given all that uh, time and now with Solo and, and I'm and just getting to know you, you're, you're, you're taking a very analytical approach to all this, knowing we've got a trucking industry that's, you know, I mean, so important to moving goods for, for uh, society and so forth. But I want to ask you a question around what you've learned so far with respect to trucking. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask it in three, uh, three ways. I'm going to approach the question in three ways. So you up for this? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So what do you think? My first one is what do you, what do you think you knew about the trucking industry that that's now been confirmed? So when you, when you kind of went into this, whatever, 10 years ago or eight years ago, whatever you want to, you know, what, what do you think that you knew about the industry that you're like, yep, that's true. And that's real. And that's what we got to help work around for, for the solo truck. Yeah. I, th I think the big one that stands out, there was a couple kind of smaller lessons learned, if you will, but the big one was when we looked at these designs we looked at these trucks, it, to me, as, a, as an engineer coming from, you know, these cutting edge companies, it looked very kind of old school, if you will. Uh, it's a, it's a robust, simple design that hasn't changed a whole lot. And when I worked with these bigger companies, I mean, I can say this publicly because it's public knowledge. I worked with Packard and Daimler when I was at Waymo. 
And uh, they're very old school in their thinking and they're pretty stubborn to change. And that we kept hitting, uh, almost you're hitting your head against the wall, trying to, to update the truck to accept some newer technology and they just didn't want to do it. Uh, that I kind of assumed was the case. And it's really proven to be true as we've moved out and started Solo ABT, just, just working more in the industry. We see this over and over and over again. That's an industry that's very stubborn to change. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I agree, of course, you know, pretty proud of the industry I've spent my career in, but I, I think it, um, you know, it's stubbornness comes from, uh, you know, a, a real demand on it to, to deliver the goods. And so a little bit of risk averse um, might be a little kind of what you're saying. Let me go to the second one. What, what's something that has surprised you, um, you know, with the trucking industry that, that you did, you didn't see coming, you did, you just clearly didn't know about, didn't know. Well, it's a good point. And, and I want to just, to clarify my previous statement, I'm speaking specifically about the manufacturers, right? Not when I say it's like stubborn to change, uh, specifically about the, the production of vehicles, right? The design and production, because to your, to your recent question, what's something that surprised me was the customer base. And we went out and we started talking with some of the large carriers. Uh, we've talked to a lot of them at this point. Some, I'm sure you know every one of them. I was very surprised how progressive a lot of them are. It was in stark contrast to the the OEM side. Like these carriers are like, we want EV trucks. We're really passionate about decarbonizing our fleets, moving to zero emissions. We want to roll out autonomy. I was like blown away. I really didn't see that coming, and it truly surprised me. So obviously, I was very happy about it. But that was something I, I really, really was surprised about. Yeah, I think I I, I agree with you, and and I think it's um uh, a, a a bit of a um like a supply chain, not in a sense that, you know, we, but like a, you know, the shippers um, that are, are realizing, you know, that, that we need to uh, not just that we want to be more sustainable, we need to be more sustainable. We need to think about being uh, or not think about, we need to act on being more efficient and that's starting to, you know, trickle through to the carriers um, right, right. and, and now to the, to the, to the truck builders and on. I mean, I'm, I'm always really proud of how, this industry has like a co, I always call it co-development. So, you know, whether you're a, uh, a fleet or a truck builder or a startup or new, new player like yourselves or, or established and then all the major system suppliers and even, even um, academia and engineering firms. I mean, it's a pretty collaborative business. Um, and I think what we're seeing is that, maybe a little bit of a surprise. I hear what you're saying, a little bit of a surprise that there's the um, interest in and, um, you know, aggressiveness around these technologies from the, uh, from the fleet standpoint, who, you know, they're the ones with a lot of risk here, Graham, around um, getting the, the goods where it needs to be. And uh, if they're confident in technologies, then yeah, it's the rest of us to figure it out and bring it to the market, whether you're a truck OEM or anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I'll just touch on that one. Last, one quick point is when you when you look at the TCO numbers, they that alone is very appealing to them, right? We can reduce our costs and we can increase the utilization of the assets. Uh, and it's just a, it's kind of a win win. And so yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not now usually we, a hard sell to the carrier. <laughs> to, yeah, now we do we like do that. have that we do have that little thing to develop called infrastructure. Um, yep that a lot of times is, is overlooked in some of those TCO calculations because, you know, they, they're kind of assuming, well, the fleet's going to 
you know, charge. Somebody else is going to provide that charging for these trucks. Well, we don't, we don't have really time to go in that. The, the third way I want to ask this question, Graham, is uh, think about now your time at Solo and, and sort of what it, what's something that you've um, figured out or learned in the, in the process with Solo that has made you um, adjust your plans? Um, so something you've learned that um, has caused you to, you know, change from, from what your first thoughts were, were with, uh, with the solo approach. Sure. So the, um, it, it ties into kind of my, the first two points, if you will. So when we, we came out and when we spoke actually at Manifest, you know, we were really focused on designing the SD1, uh, the full autonomous, you know, driver out uh, version of the vehicle. And as we went out into the market and again, start talking to these carriers, their desire for electrification is so strong that we revised our program plan, honestly, pulled forward some of our milestones so that we can get electric trucks in the hands of our customers faster. And, and like I mentioned before, that involved releasing a, a, a model in between basically now and the SD1 called the SH1, which has that human on board. And that was a slight shift, uh, or not shift, it's a different step along the way, if you will, uh, to get EV trucks in the hands of our customers faster. And that was a big change from when we first set out, because I figured, you know, it, I was naive, I guess, in thinking that EV powertrains and class eight vehicles was almost a commodity at this point, and yeah. they're just going to produce them more and, and meet all the demand, but that was not the case at all. And I heard, no, I heard a little bit of laugh on your side. And we yeah, 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 a little bit there, yeah. And, and the other point I would say is that, uh, you know, how ready are we for, you know, true autonomy? I mean, even on exit to exit um, sort of things where, uh, you know, having a ability to have a product that allow it can have a driver in there um and you know maybe you know, I'm, I'm guessing you're designing the truck given that so you're you're thinking instead of uh creating a day cab that become a sleeper you know you're, you're probably thinking more about how can i how can i limit the 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 driver effects in this in this d or the henry model uh yeah. so that so that when it goes away it's not so um uh, so yeah, so we're, we're you know we're always we, the time always goes so fast. I got a couple more questions I'd like to get in here. What are some sure, things? Sure. There are some real keys now that you think uh, would help. Uh, you know, we, we're just coming off of the IRA infrastructure incentives program, which certainly I, I, we believe in our calculations will help uh, scale or, or accelerate some of the work that you're doing there. But what are some other things that that you think? Um, uh, you know, whether it's you know money or people or regulations or whatever that could uh, uh, could change to accelerate what you're trying to get done? No, uh, well, I was going to say um, a few months ago, I would say, you know, federal backing and support. But as you mentioned, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, I think is tremendous. Uh, it's oddly named given its objectives, but uh, it's certainly helping promote decarbonization and fighting climate change, which is great for solo. I think that's something um, that we that the industry needed, and it's provided a lot of benefit to us. And we've actually been working really hard on on how we can capitalize on that, and how we can help us, and how it will help us in our development plan. Um, other things like long term, uh, we're seeing a lot of progress in the regulatory landscape, both around electrification, uh, building out of infrastructure. It just seems like there's a lot more conversations going on everywhere I go about 
the EV market, both from a passenger car and trucking side and the infrastructure side, as you mentioned. And when we speak about autonomy, um, you know, certainly there's regulations that we'd like to see happen in the near future um, that I think are, we just actually submitted some comments uh, about some uh, NHTSA actions recently and in a very positive way. And I think we're starting to really see this tidal wave coming, right? Not this wave, this swelling, if you will, of action in all these fronts about passing legislation, about building more infrastructure, about supporting uh, the EV market. So, so really, I, I don't have any key single part, but it's more of uh, all these single pieces are all important to our success and are happening now. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I constantly keep seeing all of the, you know, we call them sometimes soft benefits or at NACV, we like to call them difficult to monetize benefits of electric trucks. They just keep, keep coming. So this is the right thing to do. And it's a matter of finding our way through it. Um, you know, as we close out and, you know, what are um, just some things that our audience could take away from this conversation in your mind that, that can, that can help accelerate all this. I mean, I think you already mentioned one and that is the, the truck OEMs um, and now yourself being one of them, be more open to these technologies and moving forward, maybe a little bit quicker. Um, but maybe what, what are some other things that, that sort of people out there can, can take from our conversations and go do something? Um, let's say candidly, keep an open mind, honestly. That's just the industry has a lot of very, very cool technology coming. And you've got a lot of passionate people working really hard to help promote change in an, in that's gonna help everybody, right? So, so we're building something that will truly change the industry for the better. And not only it's zero emission, it's more efficient, but it'll decrease costs. It'll help with supply chain backlogs. It's something that will benefit everybody. And, and so just keep an open mind to what's coming and, and help with conversations, right? And there's a lot of knowledge there that's been gained for the last hundred years in the industry. That's really, um, it's almost kind of, the, you, you carry it along with you, right? And it's something that is great to understand better as we design this new technology to make, make sure we meet the needs uh, of what's out there now. Graham, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an interesting talk. We'll see you out on the road somewhere. Thank you again. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosen Friends.